Hey everyone, and welcome to Dungeons and Tangents. This episode, we're talking about perhaps the most overused phrase in D&D, that being critical hit. It's that moment in every D&D game where everyone screams and jumps up and down. But before we start, I'd like to ask a favor of our listeners. We do not make money on this podcast. We do it because we love it. And every time we see more people listening, we are encouraged to keep going and spend all of our excess cash and time on it. So if you want to help feed this problem behavior in us, rate us on iTunes. The more five-star reviews we have, the more people see us on iTunes. So if you have two minutes to leave a review, please do so. It's the best way to convince us that our time spent making this podcast is doing some sort of good in the world. And now, on with the show. So... I'm going to go through a little bit of a history of critical hits uh, and fumbles, mostly on the critical hits, because that was apparently a, a thing that, that developed over time. Should I ask questions as they come, or should I save them? For oh, you the can end? ask questions. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'm noticing that when you're asking the questions, it got more, much more of a Professor Dewhurst vibe to it. Oh, does it? Yeah, because you're teaching me something, which is good. Ah. I have to do that, that you do research before we do a podcast. And Sometimes. I, yeah. In I, this case, I did. Don't. Um, <laughs> so I want to make sure that I'm not stepping on your toes for that. For when I'm when I'm doing Professor Dewhurst? Yeah. Okay. Because I, I, I enjoy listening to it afterwards, so I don't want to. <laughs> okay. okay. I, enjoy, I enjoy listening to you much more than I enjoy listening to me. So Fair enough. And, and after I'm done editing, I'm like, I don't want to listen to this at all. Yeah, it's okay, Robert. After I'm done editing, you won't be part of it, so it's fine. <laughs> that could be true. So, I was surprised to learn that the critical hit was not a thing when D&D was first established. So, 1974, it was uh, published for the first time. Critical hits were not a part of it. It wasn't until, in fact, 1989 that critical hits were actually a part of the rules. Really? However, there was another game that came out in 1975 called The Empire of the Petal Throne, and it introduced the concept of when you roll a 20 on your attack roll, you get, uh, I think it was, you just double your damage. Okay. So that was the first game to introduce that, and I can't remember who published that. It doesn't really matter. Probably by like 77, 79 in that era, people started using that as a common like house rule. Right. And, but it wasn't until 1989 that they actually said, oh, wait, maybe we should actually write this into the rules. Second edition of Advanced D&D was when you finally got critical hits written anywhere in the D&D rules, okay. which is crazy. I don't know. It seems crazy to me. Well, I'm trying to think of <clears throat> when I started using them and... And it must have been a house rule that you mentioned it in like first edition when I first started playing. We would do what we called call, called shots. So like if I said I want to hit them in the head, or like if I wanted to call out specifically where I wanted to hit my opponent, the rule was yeah, that's fine, but you have to roll a twenty. Oh, okay. So you had like five percent chance. I mean, we we almost never did it, but it was like yeah. You know, if I want to shoot something out of somebody's hand or something, all right, fine, but you have to roll 20. So it's not really a critical so much as, you know, it's, it's yeah. a, v- a very precise <clears throat> targeting thing. Which is, but it was very rare when we did it. I like that, and I wish that was more common. Because that's be. the sort of thing that, you, like, everybody gets excited when it actually happens. And I remember 
things for other systems. I don't know if it was Warhammer or not of exploding dice where like if you would roll and it was more for damage than it was for the hitting so let's say you rolled uh 3d6 for damage right mm-hmm. well if you rolled it and then one of those was a six you rolled that one again so right the, the idea being that if you kept rolling sixes you just kept rolling over and over and over right again, and the damage would explode right <laughs> um i like that because again you're rooting for the high numbers like you're you're excited to to see a high number, and it accounts for that you, for things that sometimes they just go in, in a weird direction, and you know, right? Maybe you hit somebody and you sever an artery, or you shoot something and it bounces off something else and hit somebody, right, or or something like that. I really don't like the idea of rolling a twenty and not hitting. <laughs> yeah, I, f- I feel like it's like that. You know, that saying you, you got a, a puncher's chance of winning, like. No matter, like, if I'm level 1, you're level 20 or anything like that, you've always got that weird kind of fluke chance of doing something where you, you hit somebody right on the chin or something and, they just, yeah. and they're out, you know? Which was not a part of the rules for the first, like, 10 years of D&D's existence. And I feel like always hitting no, 15 on years. 20 represents that well. Right? Yeah. A natural 20, not a modified 20, but a natural 20, you always hit. You might not do a bunch of damage, but... You should always have a chance of succeeding in some way, no matter how small. Yeah. And and the fact that it wasn't a part of the initial rules, but but I get the impression from what I've read and what I've heard from people that critical hits have just always been a part of the game from a very early point. But they were a house rule. Well, now that you mentioned that, I I always kind of felt like they were always a part of it. But now that you mentioned I think back, yeah, I don't remember having that as a thing when I first started playing. Oh, okay. Um, maybe I just, I'm getting old and not remember things very well. <laughs> very possible. But it, it does make sense now that I think about it. But you have that kind of just vague impression of like, oh, yeah, they were always a thing. I, I've got a bunch of questions okay. regarding all of this now that we've kind of established the history. Uh, the first question is a really obvious question, which is what is the mechanic today for a critical hit or a critical fumble? Fifth edition's uh, critical fifth hit. Fifth edition, I believe it's you roll a twenty and you get double damage. <laughs> you, you you roll your damage twice, apply okay, bonuses once. Right, you roll twice, bonuses once. Right. What I read as the Empire of the Petal Thrones, that was you roll your damage and then multiply that by two. So I've I've played it three different ways. Okay. One is. What we have now, which is you roll twice. Yeah. Well, the other one, which I think feels more kind of old school to me, is you roll once and then you double that, right? And then I've also played where it's just max damage. So it's oh, not okay. double like that, but it's yeah. as if you'd rolled all the maximum numbers. I think I played one double. game where that was the rule. And I don't remember if that was the actual mechanics or if those are the house rules or not, but those are the three kind of flavors of, of critical hits that I've experienced in the past. Yeah. And I'm not familiar with a mechanic for fumbles on 5th edition. The only thing I'm right. thinking of is death saves. There's a mechanic for that. If you fumble on a death save? If you fumble on death saves, I think it counts as two fails. Yes, that's right. It's funny. I didn't do my research into... I didn't pull open my uh, PHB and look at the 5th the edition rules. But I've read through them, and I don't remember seeing anything about fumble. I don't remember either. 
I haven't really read through the fifth edition Dungeon Master Guide a lot, which it might be. Uh, I have a bit, but it, but it's funny because you say that critical hits were always a thing, and I'm like I said, I don't remember using them. I remember the called shots, but I don't remember using critical hit mechanic when I first started playing. But I remember distinctly there was always some kind of my DM from when I was a kid from my very first game. Oh, there was always some kind of a punishment for one on one. Something bad always happened when you rolled a one. And this leads to the next question. How do you determine what happens? With a, I mean, with a critical hit, we now have an actual rule that says you roll your dice twice, add your modifier, that's your damage. Well, I'm pretty sure that in 3rd edition, there was an actual defined mechanic. For, for fumble? fumble? And I think it was different for weapons than it was for armor. Um, okay. I think for weapons, you got a negative. So like if it would decrease oh. the weapon. And at a certain point, I think there was actually a chance to break it. I'm not certain about that. That might might be Mm. thinking of the Sunder rules. And for armor, your armor check got worse. I think it was. So it didn't affect your armor class, but like the checks that you would do. So like if it was a certain type of armor, your dexterity check would get worse. It would be harder and harder to function in the armor as... What is that? If somebody gets a... Or something. Does somebody have to get a critical on your armor in order for that to happen? That's, that's a good point. How would you roll a critical fumble with armor? <laughs> Again, I'm old. I'm very well. But I, me- I remember there was, in third, there was someone some attacks you. And I roll to yeah. see if they hit me. I don't, that's, that's not um, really a thing. But there, there was, I, I'm pretty sure there's a mechanic in third edition for basically your stuff getting damaged. Okay. And, and what happened to that? So, um, but there, okay, there are two different kind of questions around. How do you determine what happens for a critical or a fumble? One question is, what's the mechanical outcome? And the other is, what's the narrative? How do you figure out, as a DM or a player, what happens when you roll uh, a high or a low? So one of the things, for, so for today, let's just use today as our context, or our setting. I you use, mean like 5th edition? Yeah. Okay. I use context for how to determine a lot of the flavor of it, right? So for a critical hit, there's a rule that defines that. Of, of the mechanic. Like, of the mechanically. Yeah. For um, narrative, I like to let a player decide, like, describe to me how... You, That's you right. Know. That's the... I mean, that, that seems to have become a tradition now. Yeah. Especially, the, you do how it, are you going to do it? You do it a lot when do I? Uh, a player kills a, a monster. You say, well, tell me how they... I've seen you do it a bunch where you're like, tell yeah. me how okay. they die or something like that. So you, But you let them kind of say, like, have their, their awesome moment, right? Where they lop something's head off or they, <laughs> you know, nail their foot to the, the floor with their sword. And, <laughs> and, you know, the, it gives them that really cool moment where, you know, it's, it's always nice to have at least they one moment to, for every player, every session, where like that was the, where they got to shine, you know. Yeah, and they get to take the narrative away from the DM, and they have like complete control over what happens. Yeah, I, I feel like when there's a critical hit, and the player kind of gets to decide or describe or craft that what happens, it's it's a very positive experience. It helps improve them their experience and it's a cool moment for the players like that and when a dm defines what happens for a critical hit it takes that away it pulls back mm. that immersion it feels like that you're being controlling and i it's the flip side for a fumble i feel like when a player defines <laughs> what happens for a fumble 
it, it feels like they're mm. almost trying to mitigate it or they're trying to control it's true. it, right? That's true. But when a DM defines what happens for a fumble, it, it, it's like a, it's a consequence. And it's like, okay, it makes you fear that fumble that much more, but it makes it feel appropriate. When things go wrong, by definition, you shouldn't be in control. So when I roll a one, you should tell me what happens. If I roll a one, I'm like, oh, well, here's how I messed up. It's like, ah, well, it's a controlled accident at that point it takes yeah. away some of the feeling of things went wrong if that I makes really sense. I really like that idea and I that's going to reinforce for me as a DM every time I see a critical hit it is the responsibility then of the it's not the responsibility it's the right of the player to be able to say what happens because they have not only been able to pull off whatever they tried to do but they can do it in whatever way they want because mm-hmm. they got a 20. It's however they want it to be. I, I think a, a simple way of looking at it, and what resonates for me is, as a player for me, when I roll a 20, what happens, that that action that happens, that's something that I did. Yeah. When I yeah. have an action and I roll a 1, that represents something that happened to me. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, I, whatever happens when I roll a one, it's not what I was trying to do. So I shouldn't be defining what happens, right? And as a DM, I should be uh, telling the players what happens to them. On a fumble? On, well, anytime. Okay. Anytime. And <clears throat> oh, and that narrative of happening to them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, things yeah. that are happening to the players are the domain of the DM. Things that the players are doing to others is the domain of the player. Yeah. If... The player, but the die decides who's going to own that. If they are competent, they own it. If they're incompetent, I own it. Um, I've never thought about that way before. I don't know why that feels like it fits really well. Yeah. Huh. It also kind of solves who rolls what for like certain checks and stuff like that. To me, no, actually, it doesn't. Right? No. No. If I if I roll a stealth check. I don't know if it succeeds or not until I've rolled it, and then... That's why the DM should always roll the stealth check. I I think for certain checks, I think the DM should always do it. Yeah, stealth check, perception check. You keep going back and forth on that one. (laughs) I keep allowing players to roll stealth checks. No, actually, the last time we were playing, I don't know if... uh, I think the last time we played, I was rolling all stealth checks and all perception checks, and nobody knew it. And I was just like... Well, if you want to stealth, go go try, mm-hmm. and I'll tell you if you succeed. I think it's the best way to do it. <clears throat> I do. It prevents a, a certain level of metagaming, and it helps preserve that unknown. Um, but back to the fumbles as far as context in game. Oh, right, right. For me, I think a good <clears throat> example is, let's say I'm a ranger or a rogue, and I'm firing a bow at an, at an enemy, okay? Yeah. And I fumble. I'm going to miss, obviously, right? Uh, I might damage my bow, and I think that at one point there was a rule where if you fumbled, you just you couldn't retrieve that arrow. Oh, okay, right, and all that makes sense to me. Um, but does that dramatically change if I'm firing at an enemy and I roll a one while they're fighting one of my allies? Here's the thing about all of this: the narrative element of the the critical or the fumble, or really any part of combat, is such. It feels like it's. It's all improv by the DM and the players. There isn't a table that when you roll a one, I go, I roll a a D100 and find out what happens. Like you said, it's all contextual. 
So in the context of what you just described, Archer firing at either uh, a lone enemy or an enemy mm -hmm. in combat with an ally, I mean, what DM can resist having you hit your ally? <laughs> well, and I, I don't think you should resist that because it goes to <laughs> the consequence of your action. And mm -hmm. a lot of things, you know, the, the saying that history is written by the victor, right? If you, it's the exact same situation, and if I roll twenty and I, mm, that's and right, I, 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 I nail the enemy <clears throat> right in the eye with an arrow, right, and I save the person that they're fighting, or I roll a one and I shoot my my ally with the arrow, right, and I kill them instead. Well, my intent was the same in both. The situation was the same in both. Just the result is what's different. So, should I be praised or condemned based on my die roll? Or should I make a conscious effort to make sure that I'm doing everything possible to make sure I'm, I'm mitigating what I could do? If I just carelessly fire in and I'm always mm. rolling 20s, does that make me a hero or does that make me like a lucky jerk? <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Um, so if I'm doing everything I possibly can to make sure if I'm waiting for them to duck or if I yell out duck, right? You know, mm. um, as opposed to just firing into a, you know arrows into a fight, I feel like that's a big part of it. it if I'm firing in there, I know that I've got some one of my allies there, and that one comes up, I should expect that you're going to punish me for my poor decision making. Yeah, right? I like the fact that you're you're talking about this combat as if it's real, not as if it's I'm rolling some dice and seeing if I hit a thing. Well, I think it's it's just. <clears throat> Are you considering the consequences of your actions? That's what's inherently beautiful about D&D to me, is that while there are mechanics, we're talking about storytelling. Yes. Like you said, if I yell duck when firing, well, mechanically, there's, there's nothing in the rules that say if you call duck out to your, your ally that they get some advantage or bonus or mm. whatever. It's all at the whim of the DM and the players to figure out how this is going to be more interesting than just rolling a die. If I get a 20, I absolutely yeah. hit. If I roll a one, I'm absolutely not going to hit. And I think that you and I have <clears throat> different perspectives on the critical and the fumble. Um, because we've used very different terminology. I've been talking about kind of edge cases or a, a, a fluke. Right, hmm. and you you specifically said competent versus incompetent. Right? <laughs> well, yes, I feel like your bonuses or minuses based off of your abilities, your weapons, your skills. Well, all that's that true. That is competency. Your competence versus incompetence. That's true. And the randomness of the die roll. If I'm firing into uh, melee combat and the winds change, right, yeah, that could be that one that I rolled. Right. Mm. Um, if I fire into combat. And the an orc just happens to turn to the point where I go through their armor into a weak spot and up, you know, their armpit and into their lung. Right. Right. That's that twenty. I didn't call that. I didn't know they were going to turn that way. Right. Right. Uh, but you know, the stars aligned and I was able to do a critical hit, as opposed to me getting a twenty-four because I rolled a seventeen and I've got a you know a plus seven for my. For my decks right. and then you know magical arrows, that's more more my confidence. Why? Yeah, I hit them. But if I roll a modified twenty four, it's still not a crit. It's just right. A, I've got a better chance of hitting because I'm really good at what I do. Right. right? That twenty hmm. is, is is that you know that skill, that preparation, and then 
all those circumstances all just coming together in this moment of just perfect circumstance, right? What did you call it? A, a puncher's chance? Is that what you call something it? Something like that, yeah. Fighter, it's, fighter's it's, it's chance. Term, it's, it's, it's like a puncher's chance, something like that. <clears throat> um, and you, I think it's used in, in boxing. Oh, okay. I've heard it used in MMA where it's basically like you can have somebody who's really good and somebody who's really bad. And if somebody's really bad just punches blindly and happens to hit someone in the chin, that person could still go down. Right. I have one more question. Well, maybe two more. Okay. Uh, and that is, we've talked about the standard rules for how we determine what happens, and it's more or less just improv. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, mechanically, there's what the rules say, but as a DM, I might add some spice in there. Like you said, if you shoot an orc and you hit him in the eye, well, is that orc now blinded? Uh, and if so, there's there are mechanics for blinded. Um, if uh, somebody throws a chair at an orc and uh, rolls a 20, it gets knocked prone maybe. But that's a, at the DM's choice saying, I want something extra to happen, something more than just some numbers, something that, that's contextual and makes the, the combat interesting. The alternative to me just improvising, me as a DM improvising everything, I've heard of the critical and fumble cards. Yeah. I don't know. Do you know of anything other than critical and fumble cards? I've seen tables. Okay. Okay. Um, I, I want to see that, that something that you would see in Dragon Magazine every once in a while. I might be mistaken, though. But yeah, I've definitely seen tables. I've, I've seen the cards. You know, a structured way to add some randomness to that with some flavor and all that. Yeah. It's, it's been around for a while. Well, and here's... So I, I listen to the Glass Cannon podcast, and they use critical hit mm-hmm. uh, cards critical and and fumble cards and the way they do it is okay so if i roll a 20 i don't just immediately pull a card you have to confirm the critical hit which is you roll the 20 again and you have to at least hit the armor class yep that's how critical that's how crits worked in third oh okay so and pathfinder is based on uh and then the Balance that is in third. You'd ha- you you didn't crit on a twenty. You had a crit range, right? Which actually you have in fifth edition. There are do you really? Uh, fighters and barbarians can increase their crit range oh, okay. as they level up. Um, I think you can drop it all the way down to like seventeen if you're really high level, which is insane. <laughs> yeah, and and so in third <clears throat> it was based off of your weapon. Oh, okay. So like th- uh, like really high damage weapons would crit on a twenty. And then some, like the, the, usually you'd crit on a 19 or a 20. Okay. And then you'd have to confirm afterwards, right? And then if you didn't confirm, you still hit. You got all damage, but if you confirmed, yeah. then you got your crit. But um, like a scimitar was an 18, 19, 20. Okay. Right? And then there were some fire feats, and the feats would just double your crit range. Right. So at that point, if you've got a, a 18, 19, 20, your crit range is three. So you double Jeez. it at six. So at that point, on a 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, or 20. That's insane. Crit. Yeah, like I said, I love third. Third was great. If you <laughs> wanted to really dig into the mechanics and break the system for your character, you could do it. You could also make a character that just didn't work too, yeah. in third. But so, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> so I haven't played with Crit, crit or Fumble cards, but the guys at Glass Cannon pad, Podcast do. And when they roll a crit... They have to confirm. If they confirm, they pull a card. And the card has both 
what your damage is going to be as well as what uh, narratively happens. So it'll be, you pull a card and it says blinded. Um, and it, it may actually say like you, you have blinded your target, which means they gain, gain the condition of blinded, but they also take damage. And the damage is, let's say it's, um, if you're adding a condition, usually these things are balanced so that if you're adding a condition, your damage is a little bit less. You might just do triple damage. Or you might do double damage and they're knock prone or uh, 1.5 damage. Like you roll, multiply it by 1.5 and they're stunned. So they can't do any actions for the next round. Or, 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 or. There's just this, right. uh, you know, I don't know how many cards there are in the deck, but it's um, substantial. And then there's the fumble as well where you fumble and maybe you slip and fall and you're knock pr- prone. I think they're. I think that's a great idea. I like the the balance of it of getting to kind of choose like maybe you get a condition, but your damage goes down, vice versa, and all that. Go ahead. And I believe there's another mechanic where you you draw more than one card, and then you just you get to pick one. Yeah. Anyway, I'm pretty sure I've heard that too. Some of that time. might be house rules. I don't know, but I mean, all of this is house rules. All the, the right, whole... but as as that as a, a tool. For me, ultimately, it comes down to their math and their a mechanic to facilitate the story. Right. And so I think the story should always win. If you've got a crit and you've got – it's a, a card can help kind of spark your imagination of what to do. But if you've got a crit and you've got the context where you've got an idea to, create, to help enhance the narrative by saying this is what happens, then you should – you should feel empowered to do that as a yeah. DM, you know? Yeah. DM um, or player, because at that point, the player is in control. Yeah. Uh, like, I don't know, a great example would be you're fighting on a cliff. At the bottom of the cliff, there are, I don't know, foes, more foes of some sort. And, I mean, obviously, you're going to want to knock somebody off a cliff if you've got the chance. Just everybody wants to. <laughs> that's, a, that's an excellent Example in this, just recently having played Zelda Breath of the Wild. Oh, yeah. There's a lot, and a lot of games do this, but there's a lot of times in Zelda where you come up on some some goblins or something, and if you just stop, and let me just start this way I got my butt kicked a lot playing Zelda, and then <laughs> I started to stop and be like, okay, well, there is almost every situation there would be a hill with a boulder on it, or they would be under, they'd be <laughs> around some explosive barrels, and above them, was like a, a torch that I could shoot and make it fall on the barrels. Like it did a good job of like, yeah, you can just run in there and start fighting, but you have some options to right. to create some chain reactions to do this really cool stuff that's going to greatly help you. Um, and the f- satisfaction in winning those encounters by just going in there and killing everything, as opposed to really thinking through things and, and causing something that was like, oh, I, I thought it through and I approached it from a direction that you wouldn't normally think of. That was way more satisfying yeah. every time. Which I'm just thinking that as a DM, I have to be able to create a lush enough, interesting enough environment that the environment can be part of the critical hits and the fumbles. The, the context is more than just you are in a room with an orc. Roll to see if you hit the orc. Right. V- very much so more than that. <laughs> because at that point, you, you just, you're getting closer and closer to an just being math. 
Mm-hmm. And the further away you can get from the math being the point of it, I think the better off you are. Yeah. And so, I, I think that fundamentally goes into the importance of crits and fumbles is that they add flavor to the math. Yeah, they, right? they really are just they are there to be a chance for narrative. Yeah, absolutely. Fascinating. Do you so are you aware of any other alternative methods for either mechanics or uh, I think that there's some like dice that have stuff. Ooh. Uh, I'm not sure about like that. It's a little giant dice you roll and you read out whatever it says at the top. Well, it has, I think like, it like there's a some small paragraph of like like um it'd be like an action like sever or crush or something. Oh. And then the second dice would be like arm, leg, or, you know. Oh, like a, like 2d6 and... Right, something like that. And it's like, so, okay, well, I, I severed their arm or something. You know, roll. <laughs> and I don't know much, how much I cool. like the idea of, of rolling that, but it does well. add that randomness and of just like, I roll it and then, okay, well, now they have an arm. And then you can construe any, you know, condition you have to where they get a defense penalty or they can't hit as hard because they're sitting with one arm and they've got a two-handed weapon, right? Like, <laughs> Or you just pass out from blood loss. But that does add some kind of randomness to that. Yeah. Are you aware of any other? That's the only one I can think of. That's okay. And I've, I've not, I'm not aware of anything other than the, the crit cards. And I feel like I've seen some tables in Dragon Magazine as well. Because I've looked through some old editions. I'm sure somebody's put together like a Wheel of Fortune board that you just spin Ooh. and then it, it gives you something. But... That would be cool, except for the fact that it would be like you use it once per game. Yeah. I've, I've been guilty of putting together some props for gaming that I've never used. Maybe not even <laughs> once, honestly. So I'm not kind of maybe we, maybe we need spinning to do, wheel for crits. Yeah. Do we need to do an episode on props? Maybe. Okay. We can do that. We'll add that right. to the list. Okay. I think we have we've we've done all we're going to do. It kind of feels like it. Yeah. Thank you, Eric. Thank you. Next episode is part two in the Knowledge History D&D series, our new series which chronicles the history of the creation of D&D. As always, if you have suggestions for future episodes, reach out to us on Twitter at dungeon underscore tangent or go to our website, dungeonsandtangents.net. That's all for this episode. Thanks for joining us.